With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the guests are sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting For the next time round You can find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues it is the Blue Room, uh, another week, another Everton loss at home to reflect on. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, before we get started, actually, should say big congratulations to Zuzu, who you heard there on our intro, obviously kicking things off at Sefton Park at the weekend for that wonderful gig. 5,000 people back watching live music in Liverpool. It was wonderful to see. And that looked like she absolutely smashed it. So well done, mate, if you're listening. Uh, big success. And I'm sure we'll see plenty more. From uh, in the future, um, joining me today, we're all over the place uh, here on the Blue Room, all over the globe. Uh, Join us from the West Coast of the United States, Lyndon Lloyd, uh, creator, everything else over there at Toffee Web. How are you doing, mate? Doing well, mate. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Just saying in the, the intro there, nice to see things getting back to normal again. Nice to see people going out to gigs and, and that sort of thing. Uh, joining us from Seville over there in Spain, I imagine in a city that's still reeling from the team's last-minute loss on Monday night that effectively put them out of the title race in Spain. Uh, Alan Fahili, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, it was very disappointing for Sevilla fans, but the Betis fans are rejoicing. It's very much like Everton Liverpool, you know, so <laughs> half the city is happy this week and the other half are kind of crestfallen, like, so. Yeah, yeah it's um, been eventful, for sure. Six points behind. Now Sevilla aren't they with four, uh, four games to go, so it doesn't look like they're going to quite do it. Yeah, it's gone, to be honest. I mean, like, the Barca fans are actually disappointed too because Madrid are playing Sevilla on Saturday night, or on Sunday night, sorry, in um, in Madrid. And Barca were kind of holding out for Sevilla to be going into that game with kind of full full beans, you know. So the fact that they're not really playing for the title anymore is a bit disappointing for them uh, because Madrid are more likely to take it now. But uh, but yeah, it's a eventful, eventful title race for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And joining me from just down the road, uh, here in Liverpool is is Mick Green. Or Mick, it's been a you know been pretty grim here, hasn't it? The last few days, mate. Yeah, and I was literally what was going through my head. They're a bit gutted. I'm not sat in Spain or America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actual hailstones yesterday when I went out for a walk uh, here in Liverpool before watching that Champions League semi final. Uh, and of course, the Blues not doing much to improve the mood. Uh, we are going to have a chat about the defence a little bit later on as well. Some fresh rumours emerging today about interest in a centre-back in the summer, in addition to the right-back. And, of course, we'll have a chat about West Ham on Sunday. Uh, they're flying under David Moyes. Uh, it feels like a win-or-bust game for Everton, that, in regards to our slim hopes for European football. But we have got to talk about it first, lads. Aston Villa on Saturday night. Uh, I'll come to you first on, on this one, Mick, in regards to just the, the performance of the team, really. And, no, one of them where I suppose we shouldn't be surprised, but I think you go into every game with some fresh hope that finally the team will get their act together in these matches at Goodison Park. And we're seeing the same thing again and again and again and again from these lads, aren't we? 
Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, especially the first half. I can't really remember the second half, to be honest. With you. I think it was the first half, especially, it was just oh, time and time again, we were just getting done by by Villa consistently. It was, you know, I don't really like to say, oh, it could have been 4 1, 5 1 down a half time, but I think they hit the post at the crossbar. Pickford was made at least two or three really good saves. You know, Ollie Watkins, he, he reminded me a little bit of. Of Jamie Vardy and Leicester's title winning season, he had he had Mason Holgate, you know, done for really, and and other than maybe five or ten minutes where you know we we Cavalier got the equaliser and, and then had a decent chance just after, you know, bar that I don't think we really really amounted to much in the first half and second half. I thought we were a little bit better, but but yeah, I, I don't think we can have much complaint. And I think that's the the most annoying thing really. It's it's. Unlike the the Crystal Palace game and, and the Spurs game where we performed relatively well, um, you know we were lucky really that we were probably only two one. Lyndon, what did you did you make of it, mate? Yeah, more or less the same. It's it's so it's so frustrating. I've been a I've been a, in a in a mood for days because <laughs> I mean it, it's the door has been open for months now. Um, you know we were what second at, um, after Christmas. And I think we're going to be what one of the first teams not to end up in the top four, being in that position, or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just like the lads were saying. If you get to a point where it is win or bust, and you would expect some kind of reaction, some kind of um, drive, some kind of some kind of just of indication that they realize how important this opportunity was for us as a club this season. And how it's just being pissed away, and it's 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 unbelievable to me um, how they've they've done it because we we can talk about injuries and we can talk about um, you know crowded fixtures and all the rest. And all teams have had this. And if we were in a situation where we, we were giving ninety hundred percent every game and just not quite getting over the line, maybe drawing a game where we shouldn't where we should have won, you could understand that. But there's just so we're not even close in, in some of these games to even getting a point, you know? And if you're, you're having obviously the Villa game and the, and the Crystal Palace game and the Tottenham game were different in that respect. But before that, we were going through games just having a single shot on target. Um, the Arsenal game, the, the Carlo has been pointing it out as, the, as the, being a very different game to the Villa game. It was almost the same game in terms of our attacking output. I mean, it was next to nothing. We got lucky, but that, you know, at the moment you just find a way to win worry about entertainment and, and getting the, the, the game play right next season. But right now is just grind out the win, find a way to win any way that you can. And at home, we're just not even coming close. And it's, it's confusing. He's obviously frustrated by it and confused by it. Um, and I just, you look at it and you think, where's our next home win coming from? Where, where is that inspiration going to come from if they can't, turn something on some kind of um attacking reaction so it's uh yeah i'm just so annoyed <laughs> yeah and you know what i, I, I do agree with, with lyndon there alan in regards to where's our our next home winning home win coming from and that's a horrendous thing to say when we've probably got the two worst teams in the league at the moment coming to goodison park in the next few weeks in sheffield united and wolves but you can you can you can just envisage a similar game playing out can't you if hamas rodriguez isn't playing for us well, I think, to be honest, that once the opportunity goes, not mathematically, but almost mathematically, of qualifying for Europe, they're going to turn into the early season Everton again. That's just the way they are. I think that they're playing when the pressure is off them, when they're not expected to win games or when the pressure isn't on them. But as soon as it is, as soon as you have a chance of doing something, we've been saying it all season, like every time there's a chance to solidify the top four place or to push themselves into an unlikely title-challenging position, are really kind of make good grounds uh, in climbing the table. They just don't do it. They throw it away. It's every single time it's the same thing. Um, and like, it, 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 for me, it beggars analysis. Like I feel, I feel sorry for the guys who are covering Everton every week, like professionally, because it just doesn't have any rhyme or reason to it. You know, I mean, like you've players who, you know, can produce good performances, talented players, a good balance of players. And they're just not doing it consistently. And they're doing it against the bigger teams at the Emirates, at Anfield. 
um, but they're not doing it at Goodison against, you know, Burnley or Newcastle. And it's just not good enough, you know? And I don't know who to blame for it, no, because, I mean, every player in that squad in the first team, you could say, has a moment the season where they've thrived and have shown they have what it takes to contribute to the club. But they're just not doing it consistently, cohesively, long enough. And I think Carlo has brought the club on in many ways off the pitch, especially since he came in. He's brought in some very high-caliber players. But a portion of the blame does lie at his door too because he made some strange decisions. Um, he's not been able to get a consistent rhythm out of the team. You know, I, I just think everybody and nobody is to blame. And I'm confused. I don't know how to, how to portion it because I think that this was a really, really good opportunity this season to do something, to get European football, to put ourselves into a good position for next season. And instead, it's been blown completely, you know, I think. Mm. And um, I think it's a real shame, to be honest, because I think next season, clubs will be in different positions and we'll find them much harder to, uh, to compete with them, you know. Lyndon? Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, follow up on my, on my own point, that next win will probably come against Wolves when there are fans in there. Um, because there's no way that, that, that the fans would, have, would accept what they've, we've witnessed since the turn of the year. Um, you know these these gutless performances with with no no drive and inspiration that you did, they just wouldn't stand for it. And even having you know six thousand five hundred or whatever fans that's going to be in there, it's going to be completely different because they will have more than just the coaching staff bellowing at them from the sidelines. Um, I mean, you you can hear um, when they're passing backwards. You can hear voices from the sidelines saying, "Go forward, go forward." You can hear Carlo pushing them forward, and it's just not happening for for whatever reason. Uh, but just touching on something that, that um, Alan was saying about the personnel, you know, you see lots of people, <clears throat> excuse me, tweeting about, oh, it's the players, the players, you know, other managers don't have the players. You know, if you go down the team man by man, there are actually some decent players in that team. And if you put a lot of those players in another team, they're going to perform better than they are now. So for whatever reason, they're not. Um, we can obviously get onto individuals later, but um, you know, as a as a collective, they're not functioning, and and as Alan said, some of that blame now has to fall on Ancelotti's shoulders um, for selection and just um, just motivation. The, the the point was made, I think, it was about Robbie, Robbie Musto on the NBC coverage at the weekend. He just said he was starting to be disappointed by what he's seeing from Ancelotti and seems in in charge of this team based on his reputation and what you would expect, you know, a manager of his caliber to be able to do with any collection of players, really, to get the most out of them. And I don't think he is. Um, and so I guess the question, I'm more or less resigned now to the fact that he falls into the kind of checkbook manager category where you assemble the pieces and Carla will get the very best out of them. And if that's what we have to do in the summer, then so be it. However he does it, I don't care. Um, but right now, whatever's whatever's happening now, whether he is in a position like he was last season where the, the Wolves game away was the classic example where everyone just seemed to collectively give up and Carlo's like, okay, fine, we'll sort it in the summer, but you need to change your attitude. If that's what's going to happen this summer, again, where we kind of write off the last few games and Carlo basically says, this player and this player, this player have got to go and we've got to sort out this position then that's fine. If we have the budget to do it, if we have the targets, then let's do that. But ultimately, it doesn't bode well for the next crisis if you know the coaching staff and the managers aren't just manager isn't able to to fix what is clearly now becoming a very um, serious issue in terms of our home form. Hmm. I think it's it's sort of you know it's it's twofold this make in regards to the issues we're having because I think the manager himself came out afterwards and, and Lyndon spoke excellently there about the the lack of desire from these players and you know the, the poor attitude and it's not the first time that the managers come out and said this to be fair you know that Wolves game that Lyndon mentioned there he came out after that game was, was very critical of them then but I think the reason why it's twofold for me is it's not just the, the mindset and the approach from these players and you know the you know, the unwillingness to seize opportunities. It feels like tactically and and in regards to our approach, there's there's, there's massive breakdowns there. And you know, scrolling through your your Twitter feed today, you know, looking at numbers in regards to press and looking at stills of our midfield and 
you know, when you're quote tweeting stills of our midfield from a year ago against Southampton, it it doesn't feel as though we've made a, a lot of progress in in that sense in regards to being a proactive team who can take control of games. No, unfortunately not. I think I think I mean a couple of weeks ago, I think at least I think I was on here with with you and, and Paddy, and we were speaking about um, identity or at least having some sort of. Um, Defined um, strategy in, in in these type of games, especially at home, especially not necessarily Aston Villa. I think Villa are quite competitive, but more so against teams who are very clearly going to come here and, and try and frustrate us. In, obviously, Villa will frustrate us, but in, in in a completely different way. But I think one of the main problems is is ultimately the fact that in in games like this, where the onus isn't on us to just sit back and, and defend where it was a bit like like Arsenal um, or or more so in the big games where we got results in, and then the Derby or at Chelsea, Leicester, those types of games, Manchester United, where we can just almost sit back and and, and um, not hope for the best almost because the pressure isn't on, but 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 it, it's but it, you know it's not for us to to go out there and, and to be expansive. And unfortunately, I think when it comes to us to be expansive, when it comes to us to to be the team with the with the emphasis is on us, really. I think we really struggle. Whether that's down to the players, I personally don't think so. I personally think it's it's very much I don't know whether it's short sighted to say this, but I think it's very much part of, of Ancelotti's history in terms of being able to in, in these type of games where you where you're relying on the likes of Ronaldo or Kaka or, or or players like that, where you can just really trust them to go out and 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 you just say like, I don't hate I don't want to say like oh you know just play a game and, and you'll win because I don't think any football team can be like that because ultimately if you, if you had good players you'd be able to win every week and obviously no manager well very few managers would be able to succeed like that but it does come across that there's a lack of thought when it comes to these type of games where the emphasis is on us you know you you go back and when you watch the the ninety minutes against Aston Villa or, or any recent home game you struggle to find. You know answers in terms of how exactly have, have we approached this game? What was what was the objective? You know before the match, how are we meant to break this team down and stuff like that? And I think unfortunately, you know you can have you can sign you know some fantastic players. You can spend a lot of money again in the summer, but you know good players aren't gonna. I don't think good players are really gonna affect those type of you know problems. Because ultimately the manager's got to change his thinking. You know, obviously maybe he is. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong there, and he is setting you know defined strategy and stuff like that. And you know, for whatever reason, it's just not succeeding. But but I think tactically, definitely in these type of games, there are problems. And um, I think unfortunately our, our next two home games against Sheffield United and Wolves are are two of the exact type of teams we probably don't want to be facing in terms of how they're going to set up. But it'll be an interesting test anyway to see to see if we're going to do anything different. Maybe I'm being naive and thinking we will, but but, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's you know, the, the managers, obviously we've spoken about a lot here, Alan, but, you know, th- there are issues with the playing staff as well here, clearly, aren't they? And there'll be people who were, who were listening to this who were sort of, remember Mason Holgate said it from the weekend, remember the way actually will be played, remember how... Andre Gomez toiled in midfield and other players toiled in that game. And, you know, they'll be looking at them and, and looking at Everton's squad and maybe saying, well, has this manager done really quite well to get this group of lads into eighth place in the Premier League? I mean, are, are Everton ultimately round about where they should be at the moment? I think they probably are, to be honest with you. I mean, like, I think uh, the points made there, but Ancelotti was very, very very salient to very spot on in my opinion I think that like I don't want to be criticising him overly because I feel like a lot of Evertonians took him to be kind of a saviour when he came and now that things aren't developing well they're almost kind of turning against him in many ways and I don't want to be like that because I think that you know he's neither a saviour nor a devil he's, he's somewhere in between he's just a man who's a very very good football manager but I think he's the kind of coach who is as was mentioned very very good at getting the best out of elite players and i feel like elite players are a different kettle of fish to ordinary players um, and they require different things and i think that the players everton have none of them are truly truly elite i would say not one player in that team is truly elite i mean when i'm talking about truly elite players i'm talking about the cristiano ronaldo's of the world i mean james rodriguez is a fantastically talented player but he's never been a top, top world-class player. 
for an extended period of time. I mean, like he's from Colombia, which in comparison to Brazil and Argentina is insignificant in Latin American football. Like, I mean, they're always going to be on the shoulder of those two. He's not Lionel Messi. He's not Neymar. He's not the star of Latin America. He's one of the stars, not the star. Uh, Luca Dean is a fantastic left back, but he's not in dispute of France, for France. He didn't start uh, at Barcelona or PSG. You know, Andre Gomez, I mean, we've talked about him a lot of times in the show. Richardson is still coming up. Dominic Cavalloon is still on the shoulder of becoming a truly elite player. But I'm rambling up, my point is that, like, none of these guys are truly elite. They're all very, very good players who could break into the top six in terms of that category of player. Um, but they're not there yet, or they're not there consistently enough for whatever reason. And I think sometimes if you always had a coach who is built more towards getting the best of the collective, like Moyes did back in the day, or like maybe Graham Potter is doing it, Brighton Hovalbian at the moment, a coach who's genuinely a coach, first and foremost, and his whole thing is bringing average players are better than average players to compete with the elite and to kind of really, you know, overperform their expectations. Uh, like Pochettino is another example of a coach mm. who's like that. And Guardiola, obviously, but he's a different category himself. But um, I, I, I don't mean, I feel kind of, part of me is like, Ancelotti was brought into this team, into this club to leave it in a better place and he found it in terms of bringing a bit of stardust into it, raise the global profile, which he's done raise a caliber player at their disposal, uh, shepherd us into that new stadium, and then almost pave the way for a younger dynamic coach who's attracted by the project that everything is to take them on to being a proper Champions League contender. I don't think, if you look at Ancelotti's league performances throughout his career, that he has the kind of wherewithal to build a championship winning team out of this Everton squad. And that's just my thing. But I think that would be better for having Ancelotti as a coach mm. than not. That makes sense. I think it's a necessary period of transition and it's going to be a difficult process, a disappointing process in many ways. Um, but I think that he'll ultimately leave in a better place than what he found it. Does that make sense? Mick, did you want to make a point there, mate? Yeah, you mentioned it just uh, before the question. You've all mentioned it really. I think... Um, you specifically said that there's a, you could you could say really that Everton are probably where where these should be. You know, we've probably got the the, the eighth ninth best squad, maybe maybe a bit higher in terms of starting eleven if everyone was fit and you, you compared to twelve players. But I think I think if that's going to be the if that's going to be the the consistent result for Everton under Ancelotti, in which he's going to be someone who's only going to be able to compete really with the elite players. And ultimately, when we have a squad like we have now, he's, he's only going to be able to get it so far in terms of, you know, it's going to be, you know, a decent position in terms of seventh or eighth, but he's not going to be able to get higher because he doesn't have better players. I think we have, I think we have a problem in terms of that. I think we need some, we're never going to be able to have a squad, at least not, not in the, the near future. We're not going to have a squad like Man City, Chelsea or anything like that. And ultimately, I think in terms of Everton becoming successful, it'll have to come from a place where Spurs were, you know, six years ago in terms of a squad similar of ours and you need a manager to really take, you know, some duds almost, some, some really average players and make them, you know, quite good, which he's done. You know, obviously, Calvert-Lewin's development's been, you know, monumental over the past 18 months. Holgate has, has, has progressed, you know. You know, it's not been linear, his development. You know, he's had some bad parts as well. But I think... If, we're, if Angelotti is ultimately going to be a manager in which this side is going to be performing exactly where it should be, then I don't think that's enough because we're never going to have a side. Obviously, the aspirations for us to be a Champions League team, and when you compare the sides on paper and stuff like that, I don't think on paper we're going to have a Champions League squad. So you need a manager to to be able to you know to be able to improve or get the squad the side performing at two or three levels to what it actually is. And of course, I think maybe. Two or three months ago, you could probably say, "Well, well, it is, you know." But we're well, we still are. I think. What are we? Are we is it seven, eight points off the Champions League? Yeah, I think the results that, yeah. have been results have been fine. But generally, I think two or three months ago they were really good. I think now they they've leveled out to, to probably where we are. Performances have been, I think have been generally average all season. But I think if Ancelotti comes out, or I think the consensus really on on social media particularly is that 
for everything to get better, they have to they have to buy better players, which is fine, you know, understandable that a certain you know, the squad's heavily imbalanced. But I don't think we can rely every summer on on, on buying James Rodriguez or, you know, obviously there's, there's rumours in the last couple of days of last week or so of Coutinho or Sergio Aguero because Everton can't, I don't think we can afford to, to be that team. I don't think we can afford, I think, you know, it, it's very easy to say we need to do what Leicester have done because obviously what Leicester have done in terms of winning the league title, that gave them the perfect platform. It, it's not as, you know, we've seen, we thought, you know, just hiring Steve Walsh should make it, you know, just do what you did there <laughs> and it'll be all right. Obviously, it's a bit more complex than that. But I don't think we can, especially economically, I don't think we can afford to, to be spending £100 million every summer and, and thinking, well, we're going to get there because of that. We, we need to be able to spend, you know, maybe spend £15 million on one player or £5 million from the league or, or Bundesliga or something like that. And then to take two or, two or three steps up from that, from where we bought them, not buying players and thinking, well, if they just perform at the level they're at now, we're going to get better. Because I don't think, I don't think it's going to work like that for us. Yeah, I think that's that's a nice segue actually into, into the next topic. And obviously, on Saturday, Lyndon Mason Hallgate made a, a bit of a ricket in the um, after being involved in the two goals against Spurs. I'd say they probably put them more on Michael Keane than Mason, to be fair. But yeah, he had, he had two ropey games to sandwich the a decent performance at Arsenal. And uh, actually, before we came on here today, Fabrizio Romano, obviously. Uh, very well regarded in, in when it comes to transfers and that kind of thing. Saying that Everton are looking to sign a centre back this summer. They've looked at Arajo. I think I don't know, probably butchered the pronunciation there, Alan. Uh, I don't know if you want to want to correct me on that or not, mate. But uh, um, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Barca want to keep him. Uh, Demiral at Juventus apparently isn't going to happen. But apparently we're looking at, at getting a centre back. And I don't know. I, I sort of looked at this and thought. If, if we're going to be doing the same sort of business as last summer, and, and by that I mean bringing in probably four senior players, spending in the region of about you know, 60, 70 million pounds, I'd probably say centre-back would be quite low down on, on, on my list of priorities, You know, despite the fact that obviously Michael Keane's not playing very well at the moment. Holgate's had a, a bit of a, a ropey few weeks. I mean, if Everton are going to have a, a similar summer to the, the one they had last year, would, would you be looking to get a new centre-back through the door or you're, you're relatively happy with our, op- with our options there compared to the rest of the squad. <laughs> it's like it's like much of the squad. It's, it's, it's There's so much inconsistency there that <clears throat> you think that at some point, <clears throat> sorry, you need someone in there that's the, the, a towering personality or a towering figure, and I don't think we have that. I mean, Yeri Mina is the closest thing I think that we have, and he's just, I mean, he's so he's made of rubber bands. You can't, you can't rely on him being consistently fit. I think if we were to... to to shift one of the four, and obviously, you know, Ben Godfrey wouldn't be the one because I think he's, you know, probably first name on the team sheet in terms of central defenders right now. Um, I I would be looking to get someone in. Um, I'm not too sure who that would be. I mean, you, you would think a, a Koulibaly type player. I mean, maybe he's on the on the older end for the amount that he would cost. Um, but you know, that's where the um, where the scouting really has to has to step up and, and find that that next player so that we you know we're we're the kind of team that are, that are, again that are finding these players before they're worth 30 40 million mm-hmm. um and i think we you know we're obviously we're doing that with ben godfrey but we need we you need a dominant and reliable figure at center half and i don't think we have that right now um you know when you look at mason holgate last at the end of last season i think most people thought that he was the first name on the team sheet obviously before we had Godfrey, because he had a very good season last season. He looked like he was evolving into this kind of maturing, ball-playing centre-half center that, that we needed. Um, and he struggled this season, maybe because, you know, there's the whole malaise that's infecting the team. Um, he's, he's been shifted around the team. He's played it right back to centre-back. They had different partners. I mean, there's no consistency back there. Um, and it's, it seems to be an Ancelotti thing whereby he will, you know, rotate players in and out. Um, and you know you can have your debate over whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but in, I think a lot of people would say that when you comes when it comes to the goalkeeper and your back line, you want that to be consistent. You want that to be as consistent as possible. Um, but, but even if it's not going to be, I think Holgate's issue, and it's the same thing when he was playing right back, is that the team by instruction, because it has visibly changed since Ancelotti's come in, particularly this season, by instruction they're told to keep hold of the ball. If you can't go forwards, go backwards. And I think that's now become so ingrained in them, um, particularly at home. They've, they've lost the confidence to be able to go forward. 
um, that they're turning back on goal consistently. Um, and I mean, um, Michael may have the, the heat maps for him. I mean, our heat maps must be so weighted towards our own half because I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> you can't, you, if you, you can't shoot if you're not in the opposition half and you can't score if you don't shoot. So you know, it's not surprising that we're, we're finishing matches with such low shot, you know, shot um, tallies. Um, and so, I mean, I, I was, I've been watching other teams recently to see what they're doing because clearly we're trying to play out of the back and we're just not able to. But if you look at teams like Brighton, obviously, and teams like Fulham, I mean, that situation that Holgate found himself in, he had Andre Gomez about five, six yards away from him, and he obviously had Luca Dean over to the left. That pass to Gomez, the team like Fulham would make that pass and Gomez would get out of it quickly. He would just lay it off because there's, there's, part, there's movement, there's another player available. And far too often, we've got players standing behind the opposition man, the passing lanes that are, are um, closed off. And then it just goes back to, to Jordan Pickford or, you know, as we, as we found out on Saturday, someone gets into trouble and we concede a goal. So ultimately, there's, that's, there's that issue to be resolved. But I just think, you know, Michael Keane has had some had good moments, but he's not, he's a nice guy. You want, you want a bit of a bastard back there, who like a real, you know, mm. similar to hold it all together, to, to shout at people, um, to rough defenders up and just be a big presence back then. I just don't think we have that. So if, if there's someone out there that can fill that, and then, you know, we sell Michael Keane or we sell Holgate, um, or even, I mean, Yari Mina. I mean, if he, if, he, if, he, if he were to go back to the continent, I don't think we'd be losing too much if he replaced like for like because of his injury record. So I think there is scope there to address that that position. Um, it's not the highest priority, but it's I think it would be a good move if we could do it. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Alan? I mean, just, just actually, interestingly, there when Linda was speaking about Holgate and, and last season, I think at the end of last year, if you'd asked every Evertonian, who would you want to be captain of this football club after Seamus Coleman moves on or retires? I think 70, 80% of them would have, would have probably gone for Holgate. So it's just a, a measure of how, how quickly things can change in footy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, like, I've always been a big fan of Holgate and I thought last season that he was going to step up and become the leader of the team, really. But I think he's maybe still a bit immature in some ways, you know, um, just in terms of personality and stuff. I think he's very like kind of affable personality, but I don't think he's the kind of serious head that you need to be to be a leader. Um, if you know what I mean. Um, but maybe that will come with time. I don't know. But at the moment, I think on the pitch, especially, we're just not seeing the consistency performance that uh, we need to see from him. But like, I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to do that. Uh, Arahu actually is a very interesting one. When I saw that link today, I almost like. Drop my phone, basically, because like in a I, good way or a bad way. <laughs> I I, I, I love I love him like he's oh, phenomenal, okay. and it's actually weird because in recent weeks he's been kind of not being picked by Kuman in the same uh, frequency as the beginning of the season. Um, and like he's a very very good player, very very good player. I know it's probably not going to happen now, as Romano said in the tweet, but like he's he really has all the tools to be a top center back. To be honest with you. Um, and like, if we're going to go for anybody, I go for him because he's strong. He can play the ball. He's fearless. He's a leader. He's also really, really serious because I mean, behind the scenes at Barcelona, with the likes of Ricky Puig, who's very talented guy, isn't getting any game time because he's not like concentrated and focused and humble enough. Whereas the likes of Pedri and Arahu especially are very, very serious, very, very low key guys who are completely dedicated to the craft. And yeah, I agree with what William was saying about Yerdy Mina and Michael Keane. I think they're both good players, um, but they're not like dominant center backs. Um, like in Peter Crouch's podcast, he always talks about um, how every center back pairing is like a buffalo and a gazelle. Mm. And some center back pairings are two buffaloes, but I don't think we really have any buffaloes. I think that Godfrey is superb, but he's almost like kind of a, you know, like a wildebeest, like very kind of break, <laughs> break, breaking, you know, off in the zone and making these big challenges. But we don't have a player who's going to sit there and organize the defense. And like, I know it's easier said than done because they're very hard to find players of that caliber. But I, I definitely think that if you had a settled centre-back pairing, it would do us the world of good in terms of consistency and in terms of progression. Because at the moment, this mixing and matching just isn't uh, the way forward, in my opinion. No, I, I do agree, but yeah, it feels like the manager's always going to be 
somebody's going to be reactive to other teams and, and make those changes, you know, depending on who we're playing against and the potential forwards coming up against. But what, what do you make of it, Mick? Because it, it does feel as though that, that centre-back setup has been has been really fluid all season. And I suppose that the one way you could look at this is that if you can get some decent money for one of them, potentially with Branthwaite coming back or Gibson coming back, I don't know how the club feel as though those lads have done alone. But, you know, you could look at it in one aspect and say it's, it's a real, really settled part of the team where we've got inconsistent lads, but we've got a lot of inconsistent lads, which we don't necessarily have for, for every part of the squad. But in the same breath, you could, you could easily see maybe one of those players going out the door and a bit of a domino effect coming into play. Yeah, it's 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 intriguing, I think, to say the least. I think one aspect um, could be that we go into the next season with a, a completely different system and we end up playing in a back three. You know, I I mean, I I find it unlikely, but um, I suppose that would sort of explain, you know, sign a new centre back. I think Brantwaite and Gibson will will go on loan again. Gibson maybe gets older. I think don't think he's had a great season with Redden. Um, but yeah, I think if you you're talking about centre backs to, to go, Michael Keane would probably probably be my first choice to be sold, just in terms of of how he is stylistically and how I think Everton need to to play and to to progress. But then that begs the question: why you know he was given was it a five year five year contract last summer? So I, do I think Everton will be up to to sell him? I don't think so. I think Ancelotti is, is I prefers him. You no, know, I think he likes him quite a bit. Um. And then obviously you've got me, and I think Godfrey would obviously stay unless um, big as some sort of big money came in for him, which I find unlikely at this stage. And then you obviously got Holgate and and, and Mina. And to be honest, I don't I don't see any of them moving really, which probably means if we are after a centre back, you know maybe there is a change in system. Um, you know there are definitely a few centre backs out there that I'd like us to sign, but ultimately there there are there are more pri- there are bigger priorities in this football club, especially, you know. When you look how our performances have played out in the last few weeks, of course, you, you've always got that outlook and that you've always got to be looking to improve the style of and and improve you know positions collectively. And obviously, that's how you get better. And if a certain centre back comes up, then 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 you you know what Ancelotti wants, and then I suppose you've got to go and sign him if you're of your brands. But ultimately, you know, if you want to sign a centre back that is going to be improving the 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 squad or is going to be a hefty upgrade in comparison to what we've got. You're talking at the very minimum twenty million pounds, which is, you know, in comparison to to we, in you know, when you compare the fact that we already need a right back, the right winger, we we most likely definitely need a midfielder now as well, a backup striker, maybe even an alternative goalkeeper if Olsen doesn't come in. You know, twenty million pounds a big chunk of, of the budget. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think we can afford to be spending that. But obviously, you know, if if Ancelotti wants another centre back, then then I suppose if you're Marcel Brands, then you've got to give him what he wants in terms of positionally wise, anyway. Lyndon, yeah, I was just going to say that um, if 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 it's not a priority and we don't, then obviously the, the the next best thing is to fix what's in front of them to give them some more protection, and you get a lot of these problems might go away um, because there is a lot of uncertainty and a lack of confidence back there. Um, I mean, if you look at, you know, the, particularly that the second goal from the weekend, we were just so open and there's no protection there, um, which is what <clears throat> makes the um, <clears throat> the um, the decision to not include Tom Davis at all was just perplexing. Um, how he thought Fabian Delph was going to either improve us from a defensive standpoint or an attacking standpoint, I just don't understand. It's part of this strange deference to experience that, that Carlo has. Um, but if you can get, someone to dominate in front of them to just sit in front of that back four some of these problems might go away and that confidence will start to come back into the you know players like michael Keane and and um you know and mason holgate potentially so that that would be you know the next best thing yeah as i mentioned uh, just very quickly mick you were very scathing of that alan andre gomez partnership in in midfield the, uh, the weekend i mean what what was it in particular about the way in which those lads played that you, you weren't happy with I don't think there's any discipline between them, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously Alan's meant to be some sort of defensive midfielder, which I don't think he. I think well, I think he's a defensive midfielder, but he's not someone to sit back and and protect. If you get me, um, and I, I think when you've got those two in midfield, you know, playing together, where one of them is is very much inclined to, you know, when he sees an opportunity to go hunting for the ball, he, he, he you know, he, unless he's he's really 
instinctively told to not do it. I don't think, I think it's a habit really. And if he's, if he's an opportunity to pressure on opponents, he's going to. And I don't think Gomez is, 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 you know, positionally aware enough to be like, oh, I need to slot in now. You know, the clip on Twitter that, that, that I clipped um, and, and put online, you know, Villa playing out from the back and, you know, it's quite a weak press. It's, you know, you say if you're going to press at all, you've got to press as a team. It's the two strikers go up and, and obviously Alan feels the needs to, to, to press the Douglas Louise in, in, in Aston Villa's midfield. He's got about 30 yards of space. And Andre Gomez, instead of filling in the gap, you know, decides to, to mark a, a player, Andre, a, a player, Gilfie Sigerson, standing in front of. So it's just like, it, it just wrecks me head. And I think, I think, <laughs> I don't know whether it's a problem mainly to do with the players. I think when it's just described it, it probably is. But I think 4-4-2... Is, is as much as it might get the better, the best out of Calvert Lewin and, and, and Richarlison in terms of both having them up front. I, I don't think we can play it because, you know, at the moment, 4 4 2 involves Andre Gomez playing in a midfield pivot. And, and I don't think he's suitable for that at all, to be honest. And, you know, and I think mainly the problem is Andre Gomez, so to be harsh. But um, I, again, that, that's a, a personnel thing, really. And until Abdullah Decore comes back, I don't think. Well, I mean, I suppose you could just play Tom Davis, but but I, that's, that's out of my control. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now, does it? Now Fabian's back on the scene. Uh, just just very quickly, before we have a chat about um, West Ham, uh, Mick mentioned there about Coutinho rumours. Are they getting much play in Spain, Alan, at the moment? Obviously, there's, there's some uh, runs over here about, about Everton being interested in him. Has it been in any of the, the Catalan news or the Spanish news? Yeah, it has, but it's mainly come from outside. I mean, like the whole thing in Catalonia at the moment is that if they can get a chance to shift Coutinho, they would bite your hand off, literally. Like he's really not due favorably here at all. Um, he's not even in Spain, he's in Brazil recuperating from his injury. Um, so basically, it's kind of driving clicks, really. When there's a rumor coming from outside, I think it was the Netherlands or Germany where it originated from, maybe. Um, they're going to bring it in. But there's no original reporting from Catalonia about it. Like, I mean... To be honest, I wouldn't touch him with a, a 10-foot barge pole, like, genuinely. He's just, the level of performance he's put in since he joined Barcelona has been remarkably poor, to be honest with you. And, like, you talk about Andrew Gomez there, he's a similar character in many ways in terms of just not caught out to be a top, top player, you know, playing in a competitive uh, world. I just don't think it's made for him, you know, um, and I, I wouldn't touch him especially for the money he would cost and the wages he would take, I just think no way in hell. I think he would just bring down the whole level of application and commitments from the team. So I would stay well away from him to be honest with you. Yeah. And you could imagine if things didn't go well early on for him, the old cop by shell to come out one day and that kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's one that will resurface over and over again over the next few weeks as we get closer to that transfer window. Just a couple of you know, a couple of tweets we got on the centre back issue actually. Patrick Myers said, Can we fill up the abyss of a midfield that we all stare into every week before the defence, please? <laughs> um, Michael Short saying absolutely we should definitely buy a top class centre back. We don't actually have one. Peter McCall agrees saying if we can find a centre back to accommodate Godfrey. We don't give goals away like Spurs or Villa. Right back is needed, but 35, 30 million on a right back. No, right winger and centre mid with pace. So, yeah. Uh, and AD saying only if one departs, that would then mean a full season out alone for Branthwaite and Gibson again. Uh, we'll finish off, lads, by having a chat about West Ham. Um, and, and Lyndon, I'll come to you first because you mentioned watching other teams there and you know being impressed with other sides. I watched West Ham on on Monday night against Burnley and Burnley scored early on and I saw the thought here we go this is going to be West Ham's third defeat in a row David Moyes mm-hmm. sort of missing a classic opportunity and then West Ham absolutely bossed the game scored two great goals should have scored more and uh, they're going great guns aren't they at the moment and I think the, the important thing to stress here is that they're going great guns have had some really important plays in the team you know, Declan Rice has been absent for a few weeks now Antonio that was his first game back and they're still right in the mix for, for top four so um, going to be tough on Sunday, but I suppose we just got to hold our hands up, haven't we? Say credit to David Moyes; he's done an unbelievable job down there. Yeah, I have a a large slice of humble pie to eat on that because when he was linked with us, obviously when we were 
getting Ancelotti, I was absolutely adamant. And I was having arguments with people on Twitter about the fact that he was past it. He's a dinosaur. The game's moved on. And uh, lo and behold, he could get into the Champions League, which really would be the ultimate final insult <laughs> to, to Evertonians. Yeah. But I mean... Mark you know, Ogden was right after all this, all this time. Well, I, I, I actually have a, have a tweet that's saved for that. I probably won't send it now. <laughs> Putting out on here. <laughs> Tell me to the effect of somewhere, 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 Mark um, Ogden is sitting up with his feet up with a glass of Toasting his uh, original prediction, but I mean, fair play to him. You know, it's what we were saying earlier about his ability to um, to get the most out of a out of a collective to 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 get uh, to produce a team that's that's greater than the sum of its parts, which is the reverse to what we are right now. Um, I actually think we we are an eighth placed team in a normal season, but this season, having done what we've done away from home, which I think is Everyone's had the same conditions with no fans, but I think we've we've obviously done better than most teams um, away from home because you're still you're still traveling, you're still out of your routine, you're still in a in a different stadium, um, and we have done, we've got the job done on the road. It's at home. If we'd just drawn those five or six games that we'd lost at home, we would be fifth. We'd be where West Ham are, and I think that's that's basically the difference is that Moyes has managed to motivate his players. Um, there was the game. I forget which one it was. But they had Mark Noble in midfield, who is you know their Seamus Coleman. He's he's you know he's their talisman, if you like. In quotes. But, he's, but he's in his early thirties, and he and he's not an elite player. But he's and they didn't have a striker, which I don't think they've had a striker while Antonio's been out. They've had no one because they sold um, Allaire, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So they've they've. I mean, he's operating on on a, on a on a um, depleted squad and still getting the most out of them. So while we're you know bleating and moaning about our injuries. They've just got on with it, and as I say, fair play. So it's going to be, it's going to be really tough. But if if our players can raise their game, and they've shown it against Tottenham, they've shown it at Liverpool, at Manchester United, when the chips are down, they can play football. They can actually produce, and they can actually um, raise themselves to to get the job done when they want to. It's just a question of whether this, and it really is the last chance saloon on on Sunday. If they can't do it, then then Europe really is gone. And then we're just, you know, we really are looking at next season. So let's hope that they can, that they can do it. Um, I mean, we've, the big thing we, as we've said before, we've missed Dukure, but you can't just rely on one player. You know, you've got to find other solutions to it. So fingers crossed that they rise to the occasion. Alan, how are you feeling about Sunday, mate? Obviously, Carlos confirmed that Rodriguez will be back provided you can get through the warm up this time, so that's uh, that, that's good news at least. But I suppose it's if we're, if we're going to take this season as sort of two halves and look at our away format, you know, like Lyndon said, I think we we do these shows after every home defeat and go, oh god, we're going to follow it up with a dreadful away performance, and it's all going to spiral out of control now. But we do tend to to bounce back somehow, some way in these games away from home, don't we? But to be honest with you, I think I'm in a lose lose situation because I feel like if they win, I'll be pissed off. And if they lose, I'll be pissed off as well. Like that's just the way it is. And I know it's now the Everton way. This the team, Everton way. They'll go, they'll go there and win now. And we'll be like, oh, is there a chance? Is there a chance? And then they'll lose to fucking Sheffield United. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's just the way that's the way it is. Like, I mean, like this season, yeah. like perpetually oh pissed off. That's, that's us. Like, to be honest with you, I mean, like, I, I agree with everything Lillian said. I think that he's done a really good job there, Moyes. Um, it's the perfect kind of blends of like you know, silk and steel, the way the best Everton teams were, the Everton teams I grew up on were, um, you know, Mikel Arteta, Tim Cahill, Stephen Piener, these characters, Sylvain Distan, you know, outperforming their potential really. So in many ways, it's almost like the complete opposite, as Indian said, of what Ancelotti is doing in many ways in terms of he's really prioritizing the collective and getting the best out of them, whereas Moyes always has struggles dealing with the bigger players, the bigger personalities. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they'll get top four. To be honest, I think it's going to stay as is uh, at the moment. So I think it'll be Leicester and Chelsea who fi- finished third and fourth. Um, and I don't think we're going to get European football either, to be honest with you. I just don't think we are. So, um, yeah, I'm not very positive, to be honest. <laughs> and a uh, final, final word to you, Mick. I think it's... Um, the. Alan said there that thinks West Ham might just miss out on, on top four. I think that there's a really interesting set of circumstances that could present themselves to them on on Sunday because Chelsea are playing Manchester City, obviously a Manchester City team that are on, 
on a massive high, a one win away from the title. Um, that's on Saturday night. So by the time that game comes around, there could be a chance the Chelsea have dropped points. They played a game more than West Ham. And, and whereas when we've been presented with opportunities like that this season, we tended to flap it. Uh, the way in which they're going at the moment, you sort of get the sense that they'll be on it and they'll be looking to seize it. Um, so could be could be a tough one for us this on Sunday. I tend to agree with Alan. Yeah, um, I, to be honest, I don't think I expect us to win. I think Europe's, um, I think maybe it's a quite pessimistic way to look at it, but I think Europe's probably gone now. And I think we saw last season, especially after the, the, the Tottenham game, how the players reacted. So who knows how, how we'll end up performing for the rest of the season. But I think, to be honest, I'd like West Ham to get the Champions League. You know, obviously what's happened over the last few weeks with, with, the, with the Super League. And, you know, I'm sure it'd be, be nice for, for Moise to... To, to, to give maybe to have a proper goal Champions League Alan's Alan shaking his head you, you don't, don't want to see <laughs> yeah. don't want to oh, see David Moyes in the Champions I, League as my dad said before keep him down keep him down <laughs> <laughs> I do not oh. want to see him do well Jesus Christ do you, not, do you not want to see all the West Ham fans rocking up no. to, to Seville next year and you know invade, <laughs> invading your, home, your hometown <laughs> Oh, I think I, I at least I, I can at least say that I was one of the ones who when the when the rumors came out last Christmas, I was like, I, I don't mind. I don't think Moy's first six months would be that bad, to be honest. And I, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I just I don't I don't think he would have done as good a job of us, put it that way. No, probably, most likely not, let's be honest. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there then. Uh yeah, uh, mixed views on West Ham anyway. Uh, Mick will be cheering them on. Alan will be, go- Alan will be uh, cheering the Blues on on, on, uh, on, on Sunday now ever since the season's over. But uh, yeah, thanks very much to, to all the lads. Cheers to Lyndon, Mick and Alan. Uh, that has been your weekly show. If you want to hear more from us, we are over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra for multiple Everton shows every day in the week building up to and looking back at all of our games. Uh, go and check out all Lyndon's stuff over on Toffee Web. Go and check out all Alan, Alan, you're all over the place at the moment. It feels like every time I go on Twitter, you've been on a different show or writing for a different site. So uh, get over to Alan's Twitter and check out all his stuff. And of course, get over to Mix and check out all the great analysis he's been doing from the game at the weekend as well. Albeit, it can be quite hard to look through sometimes because it's so painful the way which Alan's have played. But uh, yeah, cheers to all the lads. And we'll speak to you again soon here on the Blue Room. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network.